ladies and gents, man, we're doing some online screen here, but what if we had another way to meet some fun people? Live events are great. Virtual events can be better after you listen to today's episode. So if you're in the virtual event space, you're going to want to listen to this one. Here we go. Let's get this one on the road. Shut up and sit down. Look, a business can give you everything you want in life, prestige, wealth, freedom, it can also take everything away from you. This show is for those who are willing to take that risk. These are the real life stories of entrepreneurs. But before we start, I have one small favor to ask. Please leave a comment. It can be advice, critiques, tips, feedback, or share this with someone because your engagement is the most valuable and most powerful form of social currency. So thank you and welcome to another episode of Business all right, ladies and gents, look, during the pandemic, we lost the ability to meet people in person or to have major events to network and mingle. Then we were introduced to this thing called Zoom, and at scale, we ushered the era of video calls and live remote events. Today, we're finally getting back into the in-person events, but virtual events are still ever so popular, and today's guest is making virtual dialogue even more entertaining and productive, and I can't wait to hear all about it. So let's welcome to the show from airmeet.com, Mr. Mark Killing. Welcome to the show, Mark. By the way, look at it. We got a Senate reporter already on here. Let's go, business bros. That's what I'm talking about. Welcome to the show, man. Oh, thank you for having me. By far the best podcast intro I've ever had. Major props. Oh, dude, hands down. That's what I'm talking about. Hey, man, look, if you're not having fun, then why the hell are you doing it? That's that's all I got to say about that, right? You got to have some fun yeah. making fun content because at the end of the day, this show is about you, you your story, right? So right before the show, you were going to tell me your first mm. entrepreneurial venture before we get into this whole, you know, air meets thing. Tell me about that, man. How'd you get into, what was that bug that bit you for the entrepreneurial space? Yeah. So back when I was like 12 years old, uh, I grew up in New Hampshire and we had like this small, small hill in my yard. And I love snowboarding, love the winter, but we just got snow so late. It was like, you know, it didn't come until like maybe November, December, and, you know, when I was going to the mountains, I saw all these machines that could make snow. I'm like, oh, this, this is amazing. Like, why can't I have that in my house? So this is back in like 1999, 98, 99. Like internet was really early. Um, you know, Google like was just created. I remember going to all these search engines, trying to find out like how to make snow. Home snow. You're trying to ask all- Jeeves? <laughs> I oh, definitely did. Ask no, I definitely did. And I found one website, this guy down in Pennsylvania that said, look, all you really need is an air compressor, uh, a, a, a T. So uh, a T is a, a plumbing fitting that basically allows, you know, water or, or air to intersect at a 90 degree angle and like a, a pipe cap basically. And you drill a hole in that pipe cap. Cause I was like looking at the machines of the mountain and sure enough, I got a, an air compressor from Home Depot, used just a regular, you know, garden hose connected to my, my parents' well. And I was able to make snow and that led me down a journey to make snow for other people's, you know, at other people's homes, birthday parties, kids play dates, whatever. I that parlayed into me uh, getting an internship at like the leading North American snowmaking company out of Massachusetts um, called HKD Snowmakers. You can look them up, HKD. 
And like, so that was the first real entrepreneurial thing that I did. <laughs> Dude, you made snow. That's yeah. dope. Okay, so first of all, you're talking to a Californian here, right? So we don't get snow. We, it just doesn't happen around here. We literally have to go to the mountains, and it is only during the winter. And half the time we go to the slopes out there, they're it's a man-made snow, dude. It, it's super cool to be able to have that in your own backyard. Does it last very long? I mean, how did how did it work out? Is this was it cost effective? I mean, yeah, it was just it's just regular snow, you know, because like the air compressor allowed or the compressed air from the air compressor allowed the water to super cool. So I started to geek out about like physics and a little chemistry. So I went down this huge rabbit hole, and um, you know, I was able to make. Uh, after working at this, you know, this company a little bit, they actually cr created a snowmaking machine that you could you could buy for your own home use. It was like three thousand dollars. They don't make it anymore. You can still find them online. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I was making snow piles that were like six feet tall. My friends were super pumped. We were making snow in like late September. Once you get to thirty-two degrees or twenty-eight degrees, depending on how the high the humidity is, you can make snow. So, like as you can tell, I'm still a pretty big geek of this. My two kids will eventually see me make snow very soon when they get older. And we're going to have fun. <laughs> but the model you made wasn't three grand, right? I mean, you didn't pay three grand no. to create your snow. No, no. You could just, you could go to Home Depot right now, buy an air compressor. I'm not sure how much air compressors cost these days. Probably over 500 bucks for an air compressor. Probably need like 50 to $60 in like, uh, you know, brass, copper, plumbing fittings, um, a stand. I mean, I was literally using a six foot ladder in the early days. I was in the newspaper. I was actually interviewed by the BBC uh, at one point. Like it was crazy. And, uh, I was on TV and um, yeah, I mean, it was just, it was fun. And people were like, I want you to do that in my house. That's that's like super cool. Right. I got a little hill in my backyard. Now you got me thinking, dude, not just that. All right. I teach a, a high school course called financial algebra, 17 year old high school seniors. And they're thinking about different businesses. I'm going to pitch this one. I'm gonna be like, look, dudes, like this is a small capital investment, five, 600 bucks capital investment to get into this space. And you're literally having parties snow snowball fights and little snowboarding stuff i mean in your backyard kids will love it they'll die for that sort of stuff christmas is around the corner making it a white christmas hell yeah man yeah if it's cold enough and as long as you're okay with uh being awake a lot at night because that's when it's cold at night typically yeah. right so like but like yeah one or two jobs will easily cover the cost right and then it's just pure profit basically so, I mean, yeah after that yeah and you're using their water hose anyway so it's all yeah. it works out when you get there all right man yeah. let's talk about where you're at today all right so that's how the entrepreneurial bug bit you that's it like for me my very first business was computer repair um yeah. it did really well and then it really flopped and i went completely broke but by then i was like all right Next one I do, I'm going to do it right, right? And that's kind of how, like, I got into this space. So you got into it through Snow. Where are you at today? What are you doing? Yeah, so I'm at a company called Airmeet, like you mentioned, and we help businesses put on better events. It could be a virtual digital event. It could be a hybrid event. That's, you know, you know an in-person event plus digital. Um, we're just trying to help people join together and form connections, create relationships, um, it's not just about the content. Yes, that's, we can talk about wh what makes a great event, but my, my feeling now is after being at two of the fastest growing startups, um, in the SaaS business drift and HubSpot, I was at HubSpot for eight and a half years, saw them go from 15 million and, and help them go to, uh, grow to 600 million events are one of the best things a business can do today. And we can get deep into this. Um, and so for me, like, you know, and actually how I, how I joined HubSpot, I was at this really small company 
that was like super early stage. And uh, we found out about HubSpot because I went to Google. This is a funny story. I went to Google and typed in how to generate more leads. Because I like mm. this 2008. I'm like, I got to figure out how to generate more leads. So this business is not going to do too well. So I go to Google. Guess what comes up? HubSpot, HubSpot. the blog, obviously. And uh, the rest is history. I fell in love with the company, fell in love with the, with the business. And I, I had to find, find a way to get to that fast growing startup. And so that's kind of a side story. But events to me are like the pinnacle of this. Like right now, this is an event. We're streaming this live to LinkedIn. If you, this is an event. You're going to repurpose this for your podcast. This is like, this is an event. This is media. This is, this is a lot of things, right? So we can unpack that more, but uh, uh, you can tell that I'm super passionate about just helping people come together and like, you know, have conversations. So tell me like, okay, you have a, a platform that is bringing people together, right? Zoom yep. did that for a lot of people during the pandemic. So how, you know, when people are like, what do you do? And you have to describe it as, well, you know what Zoom is like, we do it better. How would you describe that to people? Great question. Zoom is great for meetings. You meet people, right? And just have like very one-on-one -on -one or small group conversations. But you've been in a Zoom, right? When you have 50 people, 100 people, even 25 people. It's like it's pretty impersonal, right? It's pretty bland. Mm -hmm. There's not many ways to engage. Um, you don't really have any options to create excitement. Um, you know, it's gotten a little bit better. They've added some features. I give Zoom credit. Uh, but with something like Aramid, you can create interactive games right in the experience. You could set up speed networking with a click of a button and it automatically randomizes people into one-to-one -one networking matches for two minutes or five minutes, whatever it might be, right? right you can, speed dating. Yeah, you can do speed dating in Aramith. You can. So again, that type of stuff is what we're doing. That's definitely going to make it fun, right? Because at the end of the day, if I'm going to sit on another meeting and kind of you know, be half dressed and kind of a third paying attention, not really caring to be there. It's not going to work out for me. I want it to be engaging. I want it to be fun. How does it compare to like an in-person event? What are you getting as far as feedback in the engagement? And uh, you know what, what business owners really want to know, can I make more money? Can I sell stuff when I'm using something like AirMeet? Well, so I love in-person events. I think a business... It all depends on, of course, the size of the business, you know, your revenue model, et cetera, et cetera. But to me, a business needs to have a balanced portfolio of acquisition methods. And, you know, when you think about an event, the, the, the most important metric is cost per attendee. So for an in-person event, a good event uh, planner, a good event marketing, you know, uh, you know leader is always going to think about how much does it cost me per attendee with all in expenses, venue, food, entertainment, all of it. And that typically for like a big summit conference type event, it can be between like low end 500 bucks, high end 2,500 bucks. An attendee, that's how much it costs for one attendee. So that's why you, you try to offset those costs through, you know, maybe charging for tickets, sponsors, et cetera. For a virtual event, digital event, granted, it's not the same experience like an in-person event, 100% not the same. But depending on what you're trying to do with a digital event, it can be just as good because for the attendee, you're asking them first off to make typically less of a commitment. And mm -hmm. depending on how you design the event and set the expectations of the event, you're making the event that actually something that's more, um, I would say, convenient for them. You can make it more personal to them. You can follow up faster. You could also make it less expensive for yourself. That's what I'm getting at. Where the cost per attendee for a virtual event, even if you do 
things like, hey, I'm going to send you something before the event. I'm going to send you something after the event. So you really create a memorable impression of that person for that person. It's still going to be typically way less than an in-person event. So my approach today that we recommend to people is like, hey, you know, to build that community, to build up that brand reputation, that brand presence, you want to have, you know, a portfolio of digital events that come in all different sizes and flavors that are short, not three hours, 30 minutes, an hour, maybe 90 minutes that are like short segments, dynamic, all with an intentional purpose for a specific audience. And then you want to have at least one or two probably bigger events to bring the people in your community, within your brand that are going to make the trip that you, you want to have there to the mega event, right? Because you want them to come together. So I think it's all about like, you know, coming up with a, an event strategy that works both for your attendees and your business. And now because of the pandemic and all the, these changes in our behaviors and et cetera, et cetera, you kind of have to do both. So it sounds to me like you're kind of creating a people funnel in a way, right? So first we start off with the virtual events. It brings your cost down low. The commitment is low for the person who's coming in. But you can also allocate some of those costs to send them, I don't know, matching T-shirts and like, uh, I don't have it here, but little icons that you can wave on the screen, stuff that you can do just to kind of get that engagement going. And then kind of use that to funnel in the people who can actually do the traveling and meet in an in-person event. But by then... You already have rapport. You already have connection. Like it's a, it's a completely different experience when you walk into one of these major events and people know each other. They know that. They recognize that face. They've had an experience. They know the stories for each other. I think that kind of could potentially increase the attendance that you get at a live event. Is that what you're kind of seeing as people use uh, Airmeet? You nailed it. And actually, this idea was born from my time at HubSpot. We did this exact same thing. We were just calling them like, online training, you know, events, webinars back in the day. And it was all through like go to webinar. It was, it was, you know, go to webinar is a little bit better now, but like it was even, you know, a version of zoom that was, that was not as good. It was extremely like, you know, kind of cumbersome, unengaging, but we did that. And like HubSpot is actually this week, we're, you know, we're doing this live, but if you listen to the recording beginning of September, they're doing their inbound event in Boston. 10,000 plus people are at that event massive event. I used to go to that all the time. I, you just nailed it though. Like I would meet people that went to one of these training uh, classes that we did live online. One of these webinars, uh, one of these we, HubSpot user groups that are now both in-person and digital used to, used to be just in-person in small local cities with like 50 to maybe 200 people. I would meet like those people at inbound and they would say, you know, Mark, I've been on like three of your training events. I saw you at a hug. This I, this is this is amazing. I, I'm so happy we could spend a half an hour right now together. And this whole inbound event is just blowing my mind. And like you, I mean, I think what you just said completed the entire idea of creating an event wave, using events to build up that wave of interest, that wave of connection, and that that ultimately, like you know, the wave of revenue. Because if you mm -hmm. if you engage enough of your audience over time, I think I, I think of it as engagement exposure. Your engagement exposure, kind of like a camera, always needs to be widening. Like the aperture has to keep growing with your audience. And what's one of the best ways to do that? Events, because there's pre-event stuff you can do. There's during the event. And then there's post-event. You can repurpose the event. And you just build up this wave of engagement that pays itself off at some point. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And and you can start interacting. See, I, there's a lot of, my mind's just going crazy right here, right? Because there's a lot of cool things that you can do with this stuff. I mean, granted, 
you're you're probably gonna be able to offset some of those costs for those major events if you even start doing small little charges for some of these community events right so the cost is so low for these uh, initial virtual events that you can start allocating some of that revenue towards these major events and really blow up the number of people that show up to these things. Because, I mean, right now, everything's expensive. I mean, I literally go to Walmart for my groceries and I'm like doubling my grocery bill just because of inflation itself. So to be able to go and travel somewhere for, to, to have an event... And, you know, a lot of people would love to do that. They just aren't in a financial position to do so. But if you can lower the cost of entry to the event because of all the engagement that you had ahead of time, that makes it so much better. I mean, that makes it so much so much more feasible for people to even show up. So, I mean, I just, I just saw something from Saster, right? Saster is a massive event. It's happening next week. It happens in, in the in the West Coast, California. Um, tons of people. But Jason, who runs Saster said his overall expense this year is 20% higher than the last time he did it. 20%. And this is, and he, he actually broke down all of his expenses in this tweet. I think they were about like eight or $9 million, 20% or eight, nine million. That's like, you know, one or $2 million additional. So you, you nailed that. And also for you, I want to ask you a question. Like, have you ever done an event for this audience? Are you thinking, because like you have like thousand episodes, right? It's amazing what you've done with this podcast. You have a captive audience. You could bring them together through online and in-person events, I think. And, and actually probably they'll get a lot out of it. Right. And like, I'm just curious, have you ever done that or are thinking about doing it? I have not, but that's like, I feel like we're connected somehow. Cause that's leading up to my next question. What are some strategies that maybe, you know, I or anybody else who's starting to get into this space who would, you know, I've thought about doing events, but the exactly what you described, the cost of doing an event is just mm. ridiculous. The planning, the time it takes to do that, the team necessary to put it together, it becomes like super cumbersome. So I haven't done it, right? But if I can do something like this where I kind of work my way in, I can dip my toes in the water a little bit at a time, create some event strategies here in the virtual space, and then kind of use those as stepping stones to then later do something bigger, that's like that's me taking the steps necessary to do that. So, what are some good strategies that you've seen people use, especially like on Airmeet, to make an event powerful and valuable to the people attending? So, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you advice right now. Like, I'm gonna tell you what I would do if I was you. Like, this is just straight up to you. Um, what? So, you've had like a thousand guests, right? Mm -hmm. I would bring together. I would create a thematic event series. Could be eight episodes, could be 10 episodes. We're doing this right now at AirMeet. It's called Eventions. Right. Event, but it's Eventions. So it's a playoff of the word. But, you know, it's, 10, it's, it's six episodes now. It's going to be 10 for the first season. But we are getting people to register. You can register once for all of the six to 10 episodes. And for you, I would have like your top podcast guests come back where people can ask those, those guests questions they could do breakout rooms they could get to know those guests more intimately than they can right now and be way more interactive right and you maybe like look at like like you said doing some special things where the, where the guest brings their book and they give away some books and you you know you incur a small cost to that event and you still make these free though in my opinion the reason why you make them free is the thing you do when people register for those events is you ask them a few questions you ask them of course their email where you're located and a few other things that you could use to then personalize the follow-up and also use to plan where you would maybe do your first in-person event because you try to get, you're trying to just get data about your audience. 
The great thing with online digital events compared to in-person events is there's a ton of opportunities to collect data. So if you were doing one of these events with one of these guests you have and you played a game with, say, Kahoot integrated into the event experience or just did simple polls, simple Q&A that people could answer, all of those questions that they answer, all of the things they're talking about can be collected and organized on the back end. And you can use that to plan your event strategy, not only your event strategy, your content strategy for future mm. episodes, future guests, future whatever, right? Now you just built up a captive email list as well. They're great. I just got people to sign up for this. They're excited about this. Then you syndicate these eight or nine or 10 episodes back onto YouTube. You SEO them, right? You cut them up all into clips, right? Video, audio, stuff like you're doing now, I'm sure. But like, it's, it's just a different type of experience. You can string together what the audience is saying because you're getting real-time feedback in these events. And by the way, you can even go as far as to say with Aramate, you can stream directly to YouTube or to LinkedIn or to Facebook, kind of like we're doing right now, but people could be listening to it also in the Aramate experience, right? Mm -hmm. So like you could build up an audience at the same time. So there's a lot you could do there. At the end of the day, build the email list, get more data about your audience, use that data to help them get a better experience down the road and ultimately use that data to understand if I did an in-person event, which location would I do it in? How do I feel like a, that I could get a good audience? How do I make sure it's at least break even for me? If I don't, if not make some money, things like that. Let's talk a little bit about the registration process. Cause I love that, right? Having a thematic series event um, and, and getting, getting some of that data point. When, when you use platforms, each of them might or might not integrate with, uh, with maybe like, for example, landing pages that we create. So when we sign up for AirZoom, we want to put on one of these events. What's the registration process like and how can I ensure that I'm getting the data that I'm looking for when I'm creating one of these events? It's a great question. It's super easy with Airmeet. You could either embed our registration form onto your page or you could take your registration form and integrate it with Airmeet. Most people, it depends on what system you're using for your CMS. You know, we integrate with HubSpot. We integrate with a few others. Uh, we have a WordPress thing. But most people just say, look, it's super easy to take our registration form. You can decide how to style it, however it like, matches your website, and you just embed it into that. And as soon as people start filling that out, it can go into Airmeet, but it could also go into a number of different marketing automation or CRM systems or database systems. Or you can just connect with Zapier. We have tons of Zaps you could set up. And there you go. And once you start doing that, you could either use your own email marketing system to keep people notified about the event and what's going on, or we have one built in. So at the end of the day, what we're trying to do is create like a, a seamless integrated, integrated experience for your attendees, both pre-event, during the event, and post-event. Um, and that's ultimately like, you know, we're just trying to keep it like simple. Ultimately, we're just trying to make this simple for the business, the, the person hosting the event, and the attendee. Um, our philosophy is put the attendee at the center of the event. And that's where I think we're a little bit different from Zoom. Zoom is like all about like, look, we're just trying to help you have a, a meeting. We're not trying to purposely build our technology for attendees so that they can get really connected to the brand. They can get connected to the speaker. They can get connected to sponsors or partners or get connected to each other in a real meaningfully way, meaningful way. We're just trying to help you just have a conversation. We're taking that up a notch and saying, no, we want to help you get connected to all those different things during a big or small digital event. And in an in-person event, we're trying to do the same thing. Like we had a customer today, it was out of Dublin. It was like a huge event, thousands of people, 140 speakers, multi-day event actually. And they're using Airme to stream it around the world. 
Uh, and it's, you know, it's, it was, it's a construction management event. All types of businesses are doing this. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what business you're in. You're still in the business of dealing with people. Those are your customers. And so you got to make sure that you're keeping them happy. And guess what? Meeting up at Starbucks for a 15 minute conversation just isn't going to cut it when you're going one to many. So you got to have a different approach. You said it's custom, uh, your, your, your platform is designed around the person who shows up to the event, right? The, the end user. So yep. when people sign up for these events, is it something that they got to download an app for? Can they use a browser? Does it really matter? Browser only. Another difference with Zoom. You know, we, you can just use a web URL. And then if you're on mobile, we have an Android and iOS app. I was actually just on an event last night uh, through our uh, iOS app, Seamless. Um, that's it. No, no downloading of an app. That's even better because I, I, honestly, that's, uh, I, I've, I've hopped on some other platforms sometimes and having to download the app kind of really takes away from, you know, I gotta, I gotta get a new app on my phone. Do I have enough space? Does it even work right? Do I got to register for something else? All kinds of, all kinds of questions that come up. Dude, I mean, events are a thing that's happening in, in you know, when you, when you have clients that come on stage, they do their stuff, they pitch their products or whatever, they come off stage in real life, they're always bombarded by everybody who was there, right? Asking questions. I want to have a conversation. I want to have that one-on-one -on -one with you. Uh, is there something similar to that on the digital front for speakers who come off the stage? Yeah, we have a few different options. One is we have this thing called the Fluid Lounge. So imagine... It's like, it's like the first iteration of almost like a, an omniverse or metaverse type experience, you know, that's contained. So you go into this part of, uh, of the platform and, you know, the, the customer can upload any image they want to put in the background of this space. So you could have an image of um, like a virtual room. You could have an image of a map. You could have anything you want. And as people join in, you see each person's face just as a circle. And you use your mouse or your keys to move around. And as soon as you start to get closer to someone, just like in a hallway or in a, in a room, you start to pick up their audio. And as mm. you get a little bit closer, you start to see their video show up. So, or, you know, as you get really close, you're, like right, you're like right next to someone, right? So it's like a person can have like eight to 10 people next to them, right? If, if you have more than eight or 10, unless you're shouting, you really can't pick up on the conversation, just like real life. So mm -hmm. a lot of our customers use that to have like speaker meets and greets after the session. So people can be floating around the venue, this virtual venue, virtual room and bump into people, bump into speakers, bump into other things, super seamless. The other way people do it is we have this thing called like virtual tables, uh, the, the, the lounge. And you could brand and design these tables to have as many people as you want, um, up to 125, I guess, technically. Um, but you could join a table and that's like a mini zoom within this event because you can have your camera on off. It doesn't matter. And you can just meet people and have a conversation with them about anything. Right. And you could pop around different tables. Um, so anyway, th there's, there's a few different ways you could do it. Um, but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it, content is great because content does make an event really great, but like you just nailed it. What makes a, an event really, really great. It's the people and it's the conversations and connections you make at that event.
Yeah, and it's funny because the way you described the virtual meeting was like I would experience it at a network event. Just literally, I kind of recognize that person. Let me get close. Oh, I know what they're talking about. And now they see me. Now you're part of this conversation. You're part of the group and you're bringing that same feeling into a virtual space. So that to me is is pretty freaking amazing. If people want to get a hold of you, if they want to use this platform, give them the skinny. What's what, what do they need to do? I mean, you can see below, just go to airmeet.com. You could, you could find me on LinkedIn, Twitter, happy to show you around. Um, at the end of the day though, like, you know, we believe in this idea of event led growth. Um, you can grow your business using events, um, kind of like product led growth, community led growth. Like that's what we believe in. Um, send me an email, mark.killens at airmeet.com. I'm super passionate about ha- helping entrepreneurs, CEOs, marketing leaders, whomever, just grow their business with a, a strategy that is, is really, I think, underutilized. Um, one quick thing, we're doing a survey with Forrester uh, right now. It's not live yet, but we just got the data back literally two days ago. One of the biggest things we found in this survey is there's a skills gap with marketers and other people in businesses around how to actually put on great digital and virtual events. People don't want to do in-person for the most part, but that's one of the reasons why I think people are kind of like sick and tired and they're like, oh, what's going on? Because people just don't know how to do great virtual experiences. And that's going to have to change. Yeah, it's a, it's it's where the future is heading. I mean, you're all, to me, you're already ahead of the game. The, the feeling that you have when you're walking around in a virtual event, if it's parallel to what you're experiencing in the real world, you're already ahead of the game. You're giving me the the ability to stand on a stage, you're giving me the ability to step off the stage and still interact with the audience. And you're giving me the ability to have some fun online. Like that's some good, I don't have to fly anywhere. It's, I get to do it right here in the comfort of my own home, half dressed, right? Wearing shorts at the bottom, but business attire on the top. You should be good to go. Dude, ladies and gents, like that's really what it's all about. You need to find ways to connect with people. Uh, I don't care if it's starting a podcast, if it's audio only, video only, start a YouTube channel, put out content, shorts, I don't care what it is. Events are going to push a lot of those platforms and help you build the following that you're looking for. So if you're looking for a platform, make sure you guys check it out. Airmeet.com, www.airmeet.com. Check it out. Give it a whirl. Do you guys have a like 30-day demo or anything like that going on, Mark? We got, we got a free product. You can set up for free and host up 100 people in one of these events. That, that being said, our free product in about two months is going to get infinitely better. We're, we're going to be giving away even more of these engagement features. Like this fluid space thing isn't in the free product yet. It will be at some point soon. But yeah, you can sign up for the free product and check it out. There we go. Free. That means yeah. you are out of excuses, ladies and gentlemen. Here's a platform that you can use, airmeet.com, and it's free. Check it out. Of course, you're going to have some of the paid features that you're going to absolutely love. But like, if you're like me, you're going to start off with the free version. You're going to test it out. You'll probably fall in love with it. And then you're going to be like, yeah, why am I not using all the other features? It only makes the show better. Airmeet.com is where you guys got to go to check it out. Mark, I got one more question, man. You've done a lot of podcasts. You told me at the beginning you were having fun. Now we're at the end. What was your experience like with the business bros? Oh, it's amazing. I love I love the energy. Uh, love how it was super natural. Like the conversation just flowed. It wasn't over prepped. Like extremely well done. Six stars. 
not five stars, six stars. Nice, nice. And we know how to make snow now, ladies and gentlemen. That's something that I didn't know before. So for those of you who are out there, start go back to the beginning. We talk about making snow. All right, Mark, thank you very much for coming on the show, man. Ladies and gentlemen, one more time, airmeet.com, airmeet.com. You're planning on doing some virtual events. You want to do it right. You want to do it where people will experience. Uh, the experience they'll have is a fun one, airmeet.com. Make sure you guys check that out. We'll catch you guys again on the next one. Peace. And we're out. It's over. Go home. Is your business in need of marketing? Try starting a podcast. But not just any podcast. Podcast like a pro. We can show you how to take your business from being invisible to becoming a brand people trust. Go to www.businessbros.biz to get started today.